Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. Also, if you aren't doing so, please already follow, or if you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sonny D. Uh, I like to think it's a lot of great content up there. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. Again, appreciate the follows on both Twitter and Instagram. And uh, thank you for tuning in. All right, let's get into it. Uh, this past weekend was UFC 243 from Australia, uh, headlined by a middleweight uh, title fight, title unification bout. Uh, challenge or Interim champion Israel Adesanya going against uh, champion Robert Whitaker. In what was an interesting dynamic going into the fight, uh, which was a great fight. Uh, and spoiler alert, we have a new undisputed UFC middleweight champion. And more importantly, and that's what we're going we're gonna to get into all this today, is we very well might have the new biggest star in the UFC. So uh, Adesanya and Whitaker have fought, and it's kind of interesting in a sense because... This is probably one of the times where you are legitimately having, in a sense, the truest form of undisputed champion in a division. Uh, Robert Whitaker got the middleweight title by winning the interim belt uh, in an interim title bout against Yoel Romero. He then was uh, slated to face GSP, but or would have been slated to face GSP, who had won or just gone on to win the undisputed, and I use air quotes for this, the undisputed title from Michael Bisping, as we remember, GSP had come back from like a four-year layoff or something along those lines, uh, to beat Michael Bisping, who had just, uh, I mean, it was the ultimate cash-in. Michael Bisping winning the UFC middleweight title was one of the ultimate cash-ins in terms of an opportunity, I ne- I thought Michael Bisping was going to go down as being just the true workhorse kind of people's champion of the UFC. This was a guy who hadn't gotten any title shots, um, who had gotten so close so many times just to have it slip through his fingers. Finally, he gets a short notice opportunity against a guy who's already beaten him in Luke Rockhold, comes out and knocks Luke out. And this was after Luke, they'd both been talking a lot of shit to each other. But uh, Bisping got the job done. Uh, then famously defended his title and earned some more retribution when he defended the title against Dan Henderson, who had one of the more famous and epic knockouts in UFC history against Bisping at UFC 100, where he knocked Bisping the fuck out. So... Bisping was uh, was the champion. I forget what had played out, whether there was an injury involved or whatever, and that's why there was the end, the interim title fight with Whitaker and Romero. Nonetheless, Whitaker was the interim champion. Uh, GSP went on to defeat um, Bisping, which was a good bout. Honestly, it was a great bout. BS- GSP, fuck. GSP kind of, in a way, proved what makes him the bar for greatest of all time. When you look at what he was able to accomplish in that fight by coming back after so long, up a weight class, um, the sports of all, and just goes to show a lot of people gave GSP a hard time when he was kind of in the prime of his fighting career for fighting this relatively 
boring, um, stifling, shut down style of fighting. At the end of the day, he was getting wins, and it was his way of showing, like, look, I'm the champ. You have to beat me. I don't have to let you win. I don't have to let you beat me. I don't have to say, oh, well, let's fight to your strongest suits, right? No, fuck that. I'm the champ. I'm going to fight with my strengths. And if you can't beat it, that's on you. That is not a me problem. That is 100% a you problem. So when you look at it from that standpoint, you kind of have to say, okay, well, GSP comes back now. Is that going to work? Especially now a weight class up. And he gets in there. He outstrikes Michael Bisping. Almost pretty much dominates the fight. Once Bisping started to gather some momentum, GSP took him down and submitted him. It was, it was pretty remarkable. Nonetheless, GSP had then decided, you know what? I've had enough. I've done the two-division champion thing. I am the greatest of all time. I've had enough now. I don't want to do this anymore. I've made boatloads of money. And, and, and by boatloads, I mean boatloads. GSP was a megastar in his day and, and still is a megastar. I mean, the guy's a legend. And nonetheless, comes back, wins a belt, and decides to relinquish it. Therefore, making Robert Whitaker, who was an interim champion, the undisputed champion. He never had to fight the undisputed champion to become champion. There was never a unification bout for Robert Whitaker. Now, it's happened before... Uh, where I, and I believe the last time that would have happened was, or that I can remember, an interim champion becoming the undisputed champion just kind of by default or by acclamation because of a the main champion uh, relinquishing their belt. I can't. It might have been Frank Mir back in heavyweight, Andre Arlovsky versus Tim Sylvia. And this dates me, right? Like this is. As I said, I've, as I've said before on the podcast, I am a big UFC fan, and I have been a UFC I was a UFC fan before being a UFC fan was cool, as I like to say. But nonetheless, because that goes back to the, the amount of fights I've seen in my uh, life and, and pay-per-view cards and UFC cards that I've watched and, been a, and seen. So, yeah, it's, it's not often that this happens. And I'm even trying to think, yeah, because Tony Ferguson, I think, had won the interim title... But, uh, yeah, against Kevin Lee, and he never got a chance to unify. I'm trying to think at Featherweight. Featherweight might have been the other case when Jose... Uh, so, I'm I believe this would have been a case as well. So, when Conor McGregor had stepped up kind of around UFC 200 to fight Nate Diaz and to win the lightweight title um, subsequently... Uh, Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar fought for the interim belt at featherweight, I believe. As such, it um, yeah, this, there's been a few examples, uh, but nonetheless, they had fought. They became the they Aldo won, becoming the interim champion. Uh, then he fought Max Holloway. Or did Max Holloway win an interim belt on him? Whatever it was, nonetheless, there was fights. Max Holloway is now the undisputed champion. That would have been the only. That would have been the most recent other time I can think of where a champ. But again, it wasn't the same thing because Conor McGregor wasn't really coming back down to featherweight from the looks of it. And at the end of the day, I, I truly believe the best in the division had fought each other and have fought each other subsequently. 
And whilst you haven't, they haven't, they none of them beat Conor McGregor for the belt. That division has moved on. Uh, another one would have been at bantamweight um, years ago when Dominic Cruz was champion and was sidelined by injury, and Henan Burrell became the interim champion and was this world destroyer, beating everybody. And the interesting thing there with Henan Burrell when he was the interim champion is he was defending that interim belt. He defended it a couple of times. I think he, um, Eddie Wineland for sure was at least one. Um, he won it in, an, in a title bout against Uriah Faber. I want to say there was at least one more title defense for Henning Brown, and then he eventually lost, and then it, he became the undisputed champion when Dominic Cruz couldn't defend. Cruz, uh, he went on to lose it to TJ Dillashaw, and famously Dillashaw went on to lose to um, Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz got the belt back, and uh, what happened there? And I think Cruz fought fi- Faber one more time, Faber, and they beat his ass. So yeah, regardless, it's it doesn't happen often. The difference is, though, this was probably one of the, fir- the first time I can remember in a long time where an interim champion became the main champion um, by acclamation and without having to face too many other opponents. I think in the time of being champion, Robert Whitaker's only fought Yoel Romero. And granted, I mean, those were two very close fights. I had seen the second fight going to Romero. Um, I actually might have even scored the first fight for Yoel Romero, but I definitely had the second fight for Yoel Romero. So there was a lot of controversy there. And Romero's been on the shitty end of some decisions lately, especially. Um, Paulo Costa, I had him beating Costa. Um, but nonetheless, they gave it Costa. And again, maybe, you know, you got to give it to the young guy. I don't know. But nonetheless, that was the situation there. Israel Adesanya has come out of nowhere. See, sound familiar? Much like Conor McGregor. Comes out of nowhere, bursts on the scene, and just starts annihilating people. And people were immediately starting to compare him to Anderson Silva and his prime. And and Jill Sonnen had talked about this uh, in one of his YouTube kind of vlog, diary, issue, whatever you want to call them. He has these little vlogs he does, which are great little, vin- little vignettes. And they're almost like little... I mean, that's what a vlog is. It's like a video diary. And he talked about the evolution of sport, right? Athletes get better with time. Technology gets better. Training gets better. All of these things get better. And Adesanya is now that next level of what Anderson Silva once was. And they did fight. And people said, oh, well, you know, Adesanya you know, didn't even finish an old Anderson Silva. And there was moments when Anderson Silva looked pretty good. I think that fight was a big show of respect. And I believe I'd recap that here on the po- on the Seems Legit podcast. Adesanya was visibly better than uh, Anderson Silva when they fought. Pardon me there. Was visibly better. Um, he's younger. He's just... He's the guy now. And I think in ways just did what he did to establish that he was the next guy. And not disrespect Anderson. You didn't have to go out and humiliate Anderson. What does he gain by that? I don't know if people were expecting or wanting to see that, but what did Israel Adesanya really have to gain if he goes out there and destroys Anderson Silva? I don't think there's anything to be gained. I think the way he did it is actually better. It makes him look that much better. It makes him look like a classy guy that people can get behind. He he didn't toy with him, but he, I mean, he showed him respect. That look, I can I'm whooping your ass here, but I'm not gonna humiliate you. And that was the bigger thing. 
Regardless, we now set up this thing where Adesanya, Whitaker gets injured, Adesanya gets an interim title fight against Calvin Gastelum, who also was on a crazy rise himself. And it was funny because just a couple of years ago, Gastelum was having issues. He wanted to compete at welterweight, couldn't make the welterweight limit consistently, fought at middleweight, and was and was winning at middleweight, losing at middleweight, winning. I think he lost to Chris Weidman, was his big loss at middleweight, and said, like, I don't know that I have what it takes strength-wise and size-wise to compete with that upper echelon of the division. The tune quickly changed. He was knocking people out playing well or fighting well sorry i have hockey highlights playing here um but nonetheless was fighting well doing well and put himself in this position to contend and his hands got so much better as time went on and that's the thing too right you don't have to have the same strengths as every other opponent you have to have your strengths and be able to use your strengths so never in any competitive uh endeavor i think that's the biggest part of it when you look at it is rather than trying to compete necessarily with your opponents on their strengths, compete on your own. That's how you win. That's what you're there to do. Is it's a game? It's a it's a chess battle. My strengths utilized at the right time versus your strength utilized at you when you feel it's the right time. Whoever does it best and implements their strategy and strengths the best usually is the one that ends up winning. And in combat, it's no different. And so Gaslam found himself in a great position as well. And as such, got himself this bout with Israel Adesanya. And I mean, it, it kind of was the right thing. Costa's coming up. He's the next in line, obviously. And then you have these two guys, I mean, in Gaslam and Adesanya, who are that next star, you know, that next number one contender. And Whitaker, who's become the de facto champion. The little merry-go-round settles itself. Adesanya beats Gaslam, and by the end, fuck, does he put on a clinic. Great fight. If you have a chance to watch it, watch it. Great, great, great fight. And nonetheless, you have um, a situation now, which this weekend gets settled, with Adesanya versus Whitaker. Now, Whitaker came out well and honestly took control in the early parts of both rounds. And then Adesanya took over. And that's where the bigger thing came to be. When Adesanya took over, you could see that there was just a different level of fighter fighting in this case. And, I mean, it just goes to show, when you have elite level... um, skill and Adesanya was an elite level professional kickboxer before he got to the UFC like this was a guy that was world championship level pro kickboxer and whose striking is on a different level than everybody's probably in the division and he might be now the best overall striker in the UFC and this is a guy that shows up in shape and I mean brings it and part of it, too, sometimes is people look at, well, you know, oh, is it how quick they get the knockouts? It's what they do in there. It's their ability to take punishment. It's their ability to roll with punches. It's their ability to defend. It's their ability to counter-strike. It's their ability to avoid damage. It's their ability to fight with precision. You look at Connor. That was a big thing for him. Precision and power. Boom. He'd land that shot. Aldo's coming in. Aldo landed a, a shot of his own. 
Boom! And Connor landed that left and starched Aldo right there. Took a shot and boom, right across the jaw. Very similar in a way to what happened this past weekend. Spoiler alert again. Adesanya takes a shot, fires off the combo. Rolls with the shot he takes from Whitaker, fires off the the counter combo, and drops Whitaker, goes in and gets the finish, and is now the undisputed middleweight champion. Calls out Paulo Costa right away. Gives him the old WWE DX suck it um, gesture. And uh, so kind of a little bit of showmanship there, which was hilarious to see. And uh, But nonetheless, we have a new star. We have a new star in the UFC. Israel Adesanya's come in. And Israel Adesanya, like Conor McGregor, I mean, he has that talk. He has the showmanship. He had the big walkout, the dancing, all of that, which was great, actually. Great showman. Uh, but, and backs it up. Comes in within a year and a half, is an undisputed champion of his weight class. And has even gone as so far as to, you know, already start the rivalry with John Jones. Him and John Jones have been uh, battling back and forth over social media and in interviews uh, the last few months, and we're seeing a situation here develop. Now, Israel Adesanya, I forget if it was yesterday, this morning or yesterday, has come out and said, let me defend my belt first, all right, and then I'll worry about John Jones. And it's kind of funny because back in the day, I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, back in the day, there was always this thing where, oh, they wanted to make super fights. Fans always wanted to see this person versus this person, this person versus this one. Maybe it's with the evolution of the sport, where as the sport's gotten bigger, as it's evolved, as the fighters have evolved, uh, as there's more competition, uh, you're having to see now these bigger kind of money fights being made. But also maybe now change of direction as the UFC is now under new ownership. I mean, Dana White's still the president, but now with new ownership, willing to do different things. And, and again, this isn't a knock on past ownership. I thought the Fertitas had done a great job with the UFC. For, you know, they built it. They made it. At the end of the day, we owe, there is a spot in the business, entrepreneur, marketing, sports hall of fame for the work that the trifecta of Lorenzo Fertitta, Frank Fertitta III, and Dana White did. And I mean, and all their supporting cast did in building the UFC to what it is today. And and let that does not go understated or underappreciated. But now as we're in a new era of the sport, a new day in the sport, you're seeing these kind of cross-divisional matchups. You're seeing a lot more fighters moving within weight classes for opportunities. Holly Holm, great example, has fought the who's who now of the uh, of the women's kind of divisions, so to speak. And for better or worse, you know, she wins some fights, she loses some, but she's been in there. She's maintained relevance and she's maintained being a top contender by being willing to move across weight classes. Amanda Nunez has very quickly established herself as the greatest women's mixed martial artist of all time. Two-division champion, defending both um, belts. And I think her next fight is going to be at the 145, um, for the 145 belt. 
Um, it, it's just it's amazing to see what is happening here in the in the UFC. With that being said, yes, you don't want to slow down your division uh, with Paulo Costa. So let let's see Adesanya. That those two have been building a rivalry. Let's see that. Let's settle that. Costa versus Adesanya. Much like John Jones, he's fought two young, fresh challengers in his last two UFC bouts, beating them to establish, hey, I'm still the king. I am still the guy. Adesanya looking to do the same as he's saying, look, whoever you put in front of me is getting their ass whooped, so keep bringing them. He's whooping ass. You're seeing this, and yeah, it's a truly exciting time in mixed martial arts, especially now... Kind of that we're entering a we-don't-know-what-the-fuck-is-going-on-with-Conor-McGregor era in the UFC where, yeah, he was their biggest star. I mean, there's no point in denying it. He was. And very well might still be. But now with Adesanya, John Jones still winning, John Jones staying out of trouble. I mean, now this is what the UFC needed. Amanda Nunez. You're seeing a lot of other female fighters emerge who might not be champions, who were champions, still staying relevant, still doing a lot. Um, fighters that weren't champions but are still name-brand fighters, winning fights. Michelle Waterson comes to mind. In the latter, in the former category, we've got um, Carla Sparza, Joanna Yajajic, uh, all of these fighters, uh, Claudia Gadelia, um, great fighters. So the talent level is there across the UFC. And now you're seeing fighters say, hey, you know what? Conor McGregor did lay the blueprint here on being a star. Maybe, yes, some take it too far. Some very well might be taking it too far. Others not as far, whatever it is. But you're seeing a lot more stars emerge. Especially, and I've heard too, they have these fighter summits every year. Um, which are educational kind of workshops. Uh, almost like a conference, in a way, where they bring in the fighters. I think they have it in Vegas every year for the fighters. And they go over various things with them, right? They they talk to them about marketing and all of these things. I don't know if it's as big as it once was or if it's bigger now. I don't know the details. I haven't been following that aspect of the sport as much uh, lately. But I know they did have these fighter summits. And, and yeah, and now social media is growing. Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all of this. You're seeing stars... Um, who might not even be fighting regularly, maintaining relevance. Uh, and, and it's nice to see. It's great to see these opportunities being created for the fighters, for the athletes in the sport. As And it only helps. It's a win-win situation, right? And as long as the, I mean, as everybody's cooperating and, and you know, staying out of trouble, it's it's win-win for everyone. And we have now a situation where, with Israel Adesanya, where the UFC is on the verge of having another true megastar in Adesanya. The guy's skills are on a different level. Uh, we haven't really, I don't know if we've had to see him grapple much. Um, I don't think we're going to have to worry about the Apollo Costa. I think Costa's going to come in and try and knock him out, and Adesanya's going to do what he does. That's a fight I'm excited to see. That is a fight I want to see, I'm excited to see, I hope to see. So uh, that's a fight. And again, depending when that fight happens and how quickly they can get that one done, we could be in a situation where we see that late this year, maybe that's kind of that New Year's card that could even be the Super Bowl card. Then who knows? Maybe John Jones uh, versus Adesanya is headlining the summer. I think that's something uh, where we could be looking. I'm going to make a prediction that that would be 
essentially the timeline there of seeing potentially Adesanya versus Jones. We look at, you know, just you get John Jones in there one more time. I don't know who he'd fight in the interim. That's kind of the thing. Uh, and interestingly enough, I mean, you have some movement in other divisions too now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there with John Jones. But again, Costa's probably going to be the next in line for Adesanya. But again, it, it comes down to how quickly do they want to make Jones versus Adesanya. Adesanya's value right now might be at an all-time high. Right? There's always that risk-reward. You have him fight another fight. What if Costa wins? Costa doesn't necessarily have the same star power. Uh, you know, he's a huge dude. It'd be interesting to see him versus Jones. Uh, again, we have this baddest motherfucker uh, on the planet. Uh, title on the line here. Uh, the UFC's branded uh, Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal. That's an interesting thing as well. Again, you have the winner there. Do they go down maybe to 155 fight Khabib versus Ferguson? It'll be in, the winner of Khabib versus Ferguson. Again, interesting things to see. Uh, there's a lot of interesting matchups that could come to fruition over the next little while here. And end of year is always an interesting one because it sets, or the fall, especially in combat and in the UFC, has typically kind of set the, the way or at least can set the way for what's going to shape up in the summer. Yes, we've been wrong a couple of times, but usually it's for externalities. The big one this year that we were expecting to see was DC versus Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar kind of held all the cards there, and in turn, I mean, didn't end up coming back to the UFC, sign on with the WWE, and has kind of said, yeah, you know what? I'm done with the whole UFC thing. I'm just going to stay doing the WWE thing, and why not? I have no issues with that, but I mean that's those are times when it, do, when it doesn't come to fruition. Year before that, we had DC versus Stipe. What was it last? Yeah, last year was Stipe, uh, Stipe versus. I keep thinking last year. Yeah, this year would have been the DC uh, versus Lesnar. Last year was DC versus Stipe, and yeah, you're seeing some interesting, you know, things develop there. Where again, matchups are being set in the fall, move forward to the summer kind of pave a road. I think there is a clear path to seeing Adesanya versus Jones headline next summer's card. It also gives a lot of time to do some press. That's the kind of fight you could see another press tour for. I 100% think you see another press tour. I mean, and who knows what happens with Conor McGregor? I mean, if Conor comes back and starts beating people again... Again, that makes things interesting if he starts behaving, uh, you know, or I shouldn't say behaving, but staying out of trouble. I think that's the bigger thing. I, I, it's not my job to tell him how to behave. It's just if he can stay out of trouble and kind of get back to that focus level when he was the best player in the NHL, there, or best player in the NHL. See, this is what happens when I watch sports highlights uh, <laughs> while doing a fighting podcast. Uh, nonetheless, yes, when he was uh, the biggest star in fighting or in all of combat, you know, that it, it's an interesting time now. And I mean, it wasn't that long ago that I was saying, you know, where are we going to go from here? Connor's not around, GSP's retired, all of these things. Now we're back in. So it's great that, I'm, that we're seeing that and we're getting to see um, more and more stars emerge Former stars coming back, you know, staying on the up and up, staying out of trouble. Uh, it, it's just, it's a great time 
for the sport, in my opinion. Uh, exciting time. And as I said, it's nice to also see some movement between promotions, right? There's nothing wrong with looking and saying, as a, as a fighter, you got to look out for you, right? And if the opportunity to go fight in a different promotion is going to be more, is going to, you know, pay bigger dividends, is going to be the better opportunity for you, take it, right? So, I mean, they, they talk about how some fighters go, you know, leave UFC for Bellator. I was talking about this with my buddy Nick on the weekend. You know, Chris Cyborg, for instance, great example, left the UFC after a contract and is now in Bellator. Chris Cyborg's getting paid. Don't you worry about Chris Cyborg's paydays in Bellator. I can, I'd be willing to bet Chris Cyborg's getting paid over in Bellator. And some of these guys are saying that. Yeah, that their contracts in Bellator are better for them than their contracts might have been in the UFC. So everybody's got to look out for their own circumstance. It's just, it's nice to see now we have these champions emerging, these stars emerging. And, and Whitt Robert Whitaker, again, just because he lost doesn't mean he's irrelevant. He puts together a couple of wins. He's right back in the title picture. I don't see him getting an immediate rematch. But again, likable guy. He's had some injury issues. Maybe now that he doesn't have the belt, he can focus on healing up, come back bigger, stronger than ever. Um, I think he was saying after the fight, he's only 28 years old. So man, that makes me feel fucking old. But nonetheless, uh, exciting time. And again, you have these guys, these kind of people's champions, right? Like a Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero, as he branded himself the soldier of God, loses a controversial decision to Paulo Costa. He could come out very well, knock out his next opponent, and again, Romero's right there saying, give me that Costa rematch, give me a title shot. So it's an interesting time in the UFC. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. We have DC, he's going to be having his uh, last fight. Uh, which will be a rematch, the trilogy fighting against Stipe Miocic. I think it's an interesting dynamic, in a sense, going into this, especially that DC does is saying this is his last fight. I'm of that mindset. I don't like fighters when they have that one foot out the door mentality of, of getting back in the cage. It is dangerous. Combat is very dangerous. Daniel Cormier is an elite-level fighter. He's a, he's an Olympian. He's a former two-division champion. Um, this is a guy, I mean, I'm not, you know, who knows what he's doing. And yeah, I think at the end of the day, he has one fight left in him. Why not settle it? Uh, I'm going to make the prediction there. I think Stipe defends the belt this time. I think Stipe takes the two out of three on the trilogy. And we see a situation where it's an and still uh, undisputed UFC heavyweight champion. Steve Miocic, but at least we know for Daniel Cormier, this is going to be it. I do believe that rivalry with John Jones has been settled. I really do. I think it's over there. I think John Jones has put that to rest, as he even said. Um, I put this to you know, I thought I put this to rest twice already. He's not wrong. Uh, so Daniel Cormier is great on the broadcast. He's a great personality on TV and doing the commentating. Uh, I've run into him at events. Uh, I haven't had the chance to like, you know, personally speak with him or anything, but in passing, he's been, he's great to his fans. I got a picture uh, one time and I was like, Hey, can I get a pic? And he actually like stopped getting ready and was like, here, here you go. Let me take the pic. It was awesome. Really nice guy. Uh, and yeah, I mean, nice to see him have this opportunity here. You see Cain Velasquez now, who apparently has pulled himself out of the USADA testing pool, basically saying my MMA days are done for now. 
and is now made an appearance at WWE. Uh, he was at SmackDown last week. Uh, didn't make an appearance at Hell in the Cell, which was a little odd, but I mean, Brock Lesnar didn't make an appearance. So uh, it seems that they're setting up an angle between Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar. Uh, good for Cain Velasquez again. I've long said that maybe that was that would have been a move up to heavyweight that I could have seen John Jones taking. Fight Cain Velasquez. Um, you know, the whole DC dynamic there. Cain Velasquez being DC's training partner was the long was the longtime reason why um DC moved down to light heavyweight was because his best friend and training partner, uh Cain Velasquez, was the UFC heavyweight champion at the time. So that would have been an interesting dynamic there. However, things play out the way they do. Nonetheless, exciting times for the UFC. I, uh, I'll make those predictions right now. I think we see Adesanya versus Costa by the end of the year. Again, possibly headlining the end of year card. Paving way for John Jones maybe to take one more fight. And uh, in turn, we're going to see the mega fight between Adesanya and John Jones. Provided Adesanya gets past Paula Costa, you never want to look past an opponent. But presuming he gets past Costa, that would be the fight to make. Again, Maybe it's a capitalize on the star power, on the rivalry, get the fight, get it over and done with, and have them fight. That would be a huge end-of-year fight, early next year fight as well. But I think you're going to see those two in the relatively near future. I think DC um, will fight well against Stipe. I don't think he beats Stipe, though. Um, and again, all respect to DC. Uh, great guy, great lovable fighter, but... I just think when you have the one foot out the door, it's a dangerous kind of situation to be in um, and, and mentality. Therefore, I could see a situation where, again, Stipe gets the job done uh, and it's an and still UFC heavyweight champion. And who knows where the division goes from there. I think Francis Ngannou probably steps up and, and makes a claim for a rematch. So we could be seeing there DC, Stipe. That might even be the headlining card at the end of the year. Then Steve, you know, DC's done by 2019. He can start 2020, a retired man, enjoy his career, enjoy the rest of his life. Wonderful guy and uh, good for him. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I see that shaping up. But anyway, I do thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. Uh, again, uh, thank you so much for the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, anyway, thank you so much. Take care. Oh, follow me. It would, it would make sense to tell you where to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit podcast. Take care and bye bye for now.